Welcome to, how many years is this, Tron? How many chaplains since have we got? Since we started in 2011. Right. So 10 or 11 years is just chaplain since. Um, besides all the other things we have going, I've, I've gotten to kind of burn the road up this weekend. I've been in Kansas City with another bunch. <laughs> uh, we had eight, eight veterans, seven veterans actually. Um, in Kansas City at the uh, Lake City Ammunitions Plant, uh, doing a turkey hunt there with uh, Winchester's won the contract there, so that's been a lot of fun. They took great care of us, and there's guys up there finishing their hunt this morning. So how many birds have we killed? Who's killed a bird? Two. Two? Are you not proud of them? Who's killed? Who? <laughs> you killed one? Awesome. Deal. Ah, okay. Got his turkey and went home. Let's see how this works. That's how he shot how? That's how many shot a turkey. How? Oh. Well, now, now listen, I, I'm going to share a story with you. Just I'll help you out a little bit. You know, I, I've killed lots of stuff in my lifetime. Lots of stuff. Anybody ever dove hunt? You like, you like a dove hunt? You know, I'm doves are pretty small, you know. And, and I tell people all the time when we go dove hunting, we get to go down to Luco Chavers and hunt, and then we hunt home. and. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, I've killed so much stuff in my lifetime that it's really not as much of a challenge anymore. So what I like to do is just get as close as I can to them without actually hitting them. Now, every now and again, I mess up and kill one. So there's your story. <laughs> well, it is, uh, it is always an honor for me to be here. Um, you know, he talked about being nervous. Holy cow. Um, I've been doing this for a long time, and I still just eats me up every time I get in front of people. I, I sat in the car this morning about ready to throw up. Cause, and, and, I, and I love to do this. I just it, it really is a challenge because I think a lot of it is the fact that we want to make sure that we give you what God puts in us. I don't want it to be from me. I want it to be from him. And um, we're starting to get more nervous when... You've got like Zayden Nutt sitting in here. Zayden is like a spiritual father to many. And uh, I have loved this man. I've listened to his stories. I've actually preached some of his stuff when he talked about the lion in the grass. You remember that? Holy cow. Well, I thought of that this morning when I, because I'm going to actually talk to you today about lion chasers. How many of you have ever been a lion chaser? Well, let me explain something to you. The description of the Bible says that, that our enemy, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober-minded and be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever heard that roar? Anybody ever, ever feel like the enemy is at your back door and he's roaring very loudly? That lion's roar. You ever felt like running from the lion that's chasing you? I think most of us can relate to that. The scripture describing our enemy says very specifically that he prowls about as a roaring lion. Guess what? Our enemy is a poser. He's fake. He is not a real lion. He only mimics a lion. And he, he mimics a lion in order to frighten us and to frighten all of his prey. Our enemy is a poser. Can he devour you physically? Not likely. He can't kill you. Emotionally, 
spiritually, he can kill us if we let him. So let me ask you this. Why are you running from your lion? Let me share a story with you. The story finds our subjects fighting their way through a very dense jungle. Imagine, if you will, kind of a Raiders of the Lark kind of theme going on here. The path is hard to follow. Many pitfalls, stumbling blocks. There's stuff there to trip you up. It's not well lit. The forest surrounding them is very dark. It's very ominous, very scary. So as this group of adventurers stop for a time to rest, two watchmen are posted along the path through the wilderness to keep a lookout for trouble. The group who are resting soon hear a loud commotion coming from the direction of the trail as the two watchmen who had been posted there came running into the camp out of breath, obviously scared. Their wilderness guide asked them, why are you running? To which they breathlessly replied, there's a lion chasing us. The guide calmly said, well, there's a lion inside of you as well. To which the watchman replied, yeah, but it's the biggest lion I've ever seen in my life. So the guide again calmly replied, the lion inside of you is bigger. So again, I ask you, why are you running from your lion? You see, we, we too have a lion inside of us. And, and the lion inside of us is bigger than any that can come against us. If you don't learn to face the lions, you're going to be running from them the rest of your life. If you don't learn to chase them, they'll chase you far from your purpose and you will die in the wilderness. Now, it takes a big gun to take down a lion in the natural. So if I was hunting lions, I would want to take the biggest thing I could find so that I could ensure that I stopped this lion that was coming after me. Zion, you've been in that position. You've been right there with them. I mean, what would you want to take? You're 22? Now, now, this is where I get to have more fun. This is my goodie bag that I carried up to Kansas City with me. See what I can find in here. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good gun. Right. That'd probably get them coming after you. I won't do that. Let's see. Huh? No, that's not it. Oh. Yeah, that's not still not there yet. Hang on a minute. Has to ah. Yep. Yep. Let me see. I don't even work. I'm gonna wipe the bag. Ah, here we go. What happens there, Ralph? There we go. We probably don't want to use that either. Ah, here now. Okay, I've got it here. I forgot what I got here. This is what I'm after. So, let's see. It's not really lion size. Let's try something else here. No, still not there. It's getting better. We're still not there. Digging around here. Oh, no. I actually shot a bear one of those. It didn't work. Let's see. Still getting closer. Ooh, the silver bullet. Yeah. Keep going here. That one's getting a little bigger. Getting close. Well, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Ah, nah. That's a black cloud, though. That's pretty good. I actually broke my finger with one of those. Oh, now we're talking. 
That'd do it. That'd do it, lion, wouldn't it? I don't know, though. It's a lion. Yeah, I, I actually never hunted anything that could kill me. Well, at least not like a lion. that could eat me, maybe. And it'd have to be a big lion to eat me, but still, you know. Uh, that'd do it, wouldn't it? That'd take out about the biggest lion you can take with that. I do love to have fun when I, when I preach, so... <laughs> But if you think about this, in the spiritual, we've got many, many more weapons than, than we'll ever see in something like this. You know? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And verse 4 through 5 continues with this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The lion inside of you is greater than that that will ever chase you. If you see the lion inside of you, you will not be afraid of the other lions or anything else. See, the lion inside of you is greater than, than any that will ever come after you. If you see that lion, if you can really get a vision of the lion that's inside you, then you'll never be afraid of anything that chases you. Listen to how the NLT version says this in verse, verse uh, 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of the human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God we capture their rebellious thoughts, and we teach them to obey Christ. Yeah, I've heard this, and I've actually talked a long time about capturing our thoughts. You know, many of us find ourselves struggling with fear and anxiety. Um, maybe it's, it's uh, negative thoughts. Maybe it's um, sinful thoughts. And the Bible tells us where to capture those. H how do you capture a thought? I mean, it's like, they're not like butterflies. How do you capture a thought? God actually showed me something for, for my own personal use. And he showed me that, that if I would take like a favorite worship song, when, when, when thoughts came that shouldn't be in my mind, whatever it might be, and if I could get this little worship song spinning in my head, it was one of my favorites. I used to use this, I still do, use a little song that's Jesus Lover My Soul. Darlene Check wrote it many years ago with Hillsong. It's a simple tune, but it's such a powerful little song. Jesus, lover of my soul. And I know it word for word. So I can get that song spinning in my mind. Well, guess what? <laughs> if you have a memorized scripture or a memorized little tune like that, and you start that thought process in your mind, pretty soon you're no longer thinking about the one that shouldn't be there. You've actually taken a thought captive, and you've subjected it to the power of Christ. That's what he's talking about. It sounds simple, it is, but it has to be put into, into action on you, on your part. You have to choose to do that. I've, I've shared that with a gentleman who was, um, he was actually an older gentleman, he was in his 70s. 70 year old and was struggling with suicidal thoughts on a constant basis. Because he didn't think his life had any value. 70 years old, he didn't think he'd ever accomplished anything in his life or left any type of a legacy to look towards. And he struggled constantly with thoughts of suicide. 
I shared that with him one day. We were actually in Mexico, and uh, I just shared that little thought with him. And you know, he thought, you know, I've I've never really never really had anything like that to think about. I saw him a year later, and the man was a different man. And he thanked me. He said, "My life in this last year has been so much better. I still struggle, but now I know how to conquer that." I know how to come against that. And he even shared with me, he had, he had picked John 3.16, you know, I mean, simple verse, right? But yet it was one that he could remember. And he could just, every time my thoughts go in the wrong place, I begin to quote that scripture. And he said, next thing you know, I'm right back where I should be, living life. Now he's leaving a legacy. Now he knows who he is. And he knows what he can do for others. So he's beginning to share that message with other people. You'll not make it through this wilderness without seeing the one who's in you. That's when you have to really see the lion in you. Who or what is the lion inside you that I'm referring to? I'm glad you asked. Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. And I really don't have notes through all of this. I'm almost done. I had opportunity one time to, uh, I was a youth pastor in New Mexico, and my pastor put on a pastoral presentation uh, to our community pastors and he we had like 16 different pastors from them churches in there and he asked me to speak to him and i thought well this is going to be fun <laughs> so i show up with like a half a ream of copy paper and drop it on the platform and i'm like man i'm glad you guys are here i've got some things i want to share with you <laughs> i actually had like two pages that night because so i was scared to death but uh, but it was fun revelation chapter 5 verse 5 Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Let's consider the significance of the tribe of Judah. Judah is one of the 12 sons of Jacob. To make this simple, the descendants of these sons formed the 12 tribes of Israel. The reference of the tribe of Judah is the reference of the human or natural lineage of Christ. So you can kind of read that genealogy if you want to, Matthew 1. Jesus was a descendant of Judah, which has also included David, Solomon, eventually making its way all the way down to Joseph. Jesus' earthly father, actually his stepfather, if you want to be technical. The other mention of the lion happens in Genesis 49. In this occasion, Jacob calls the sons together and tells them what will happen to each of them in the days to come. Clearly, Jacob is speaking with a prophetic language. When he gets to his son Judah here, and this is what he proclaims, Genesis 49, 8 through 12. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's club, cub. Judah, you return from the prey, my son, like a lion that he crouches and he lies down, like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he who... To whom he belongs, or it belongs, shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, and his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. When you consider these verses, and then a reference to the line of the tribe of Judah points to the conquering victorious king that would descend from Judah's lineage. We know that this line that was pointing to is only one person, that's Jesus himself, God in human form, who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one in whom we surrendered to the Lord in the line of Judah. There is none greater than Jesus. 
It doesn't mean that we won't be confronted by lions. We're going to have lions come after us constantly. Um, where's all my chaplains? Raise your hands. I, I know I haven't, I haven't got to meet all you guys yet. How are you, bro? <laughs> um, when you think of the lions that you guys, that you face, the lions that come after you, well, you carry the burdens of many. You know, you, you, not only do you struggle with your own struggles, your own challenges, but now you also have to carry the challenges of others because of your position. So you consider that the lion inside of you is greater than any lion that you'll ever face. Instead of running, chase. There are three things that are the greatest threat to any lion who prowls about us. One, knowing the voice of the Lord. We must know the voice of the Lord. We've got to learn to hear that whisper. Two, obedience. Our, our ability to obey God in every calling that he's ever put upon us. And three, dwelling in his presence. We must be in the refuge of the Almighty at all times. It goes beyond our chaplain just for every one of us who walks with the life of Christ. Because he, he, the Bible says that we're all called. We're all called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I shared that with one of our veterans in Kansas City who... He told me uh, he, got, he got stuck with me in his car riding back from dinner one night. And um, he, he told me, he said, you know, he said, uh, I, I believe in God. And, you know, and, and, I, and I talk to him from time to time. But, but he said, I, I'm really not into this religious thing. And I said, man, me neither. <laughs> and he looked at me like, what? <laughs> I'm not either. See, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's being in relationship with a father who, who, who can do mighty things in our lives when we allow him to, who can speak volumes through us if we'll just open our mouth. And I told that man, I said, you know, the Bible has called each one of us. He's called, I actually used Remington Renfro's little message he posted on Facebook the other day. I told him, I said, man, <laughs> you, you put that in public, buddy. I'm going to preach that. So I did use it while we were in the... <laughs> At the, with these, chap, or these gentlemen in Kansas City. And, and in the process of that, I told him, I said, you know, God's called you for such a time as this. You know, this is what those scriptures mean. And I said, but there's a, there's a quote that comes from uh, St. Francis of Sicily who says that, that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And he looked at me funny and he goes, well, how are you going to do that? It's really not that difficult. It's your lifestyle. It's who people think you are outside of this meeting, outside of church. Who, who are you to this world? What do they see you as? Because, see, when we're walking in a relationship with Christ, I mean, listen, I don't look like Moses coming down off the, back, you know, the, the mountain glowing like a light bulb. I would have loved to have seen that, though. <laughs> he scared everybody. He had been in the very presence of God. He, he had that very essence of God upon him. So he's glowing coming down this mountain. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? I mean, I, I want to be that close to God. I, I want to be in his presence. I want to walk as he walked. I, I want to share what he had inside of him. You know, and, and that's what we can do it. As, as followers of Christ, he gives us the ability to walk and dwell in his presence. And it's one of the greatest tools 
that we can ever use against our enemy. As long as we're dwelling in his presence. I watched a, um, one of those dramatical things one year when we were in New Mexico youth pastoring. And the church put on this big dramatic deal. And, and it was cool, man. It had all pyrotechnics and all this crazy stuff. And the demonic was kind of referenced like dark shadows. You know, they would come and take a soul, you know. Well, the scene that really caught my attention was like a car wreck. There's a little girl sitting over in the corner. She's crying. It's obviously moms didn't make it through the wreck. And this, this dark shadow comes and takes mom away. And there's one sitting kind of up on this high pinnacle. And he's laughing this evil laugh. And it was creepy. This little girl's down here all curled up just crying. And this evil, this evil thing comes down off this, this high spot. And, and he goes creeping over towards her. And he reaches out towards her. And just as he's almost there to touch her, the pyrotechnics go off. And this cable that's attached to this shadow drags him away from her. And this big, dark, booming voice said, you can't cross the bloodline. Oh, man. When we are in Christ, when we are a follower of Christ, when we are sold out to him, when his blood covers us, our enemy can't touch us. He can growl, he can roar, he can do anything he wants to do, but he can't touch us. Not when we're covered in the blood. The greatest weapon that we have every day is to know his voice, to hear him, to do his will. In Matthew 7, the will of God clearly references simply obedience to him. We all wonder, well, God, what, what is it you give me to do? Am I just to write songs? Do you realize how much presence come with that this morning do you realize the message you preached this morning i mean you you could have done this all alone today honestly because that's the power that comes through your obedience to christ to allow him to pour into you nobody in here is any different this might not be your thing to stand behind one of these podiums my thing is certainly not to be one of them guitars i can't even play a cd player very well I don't really know why God's chosen me to do this. Because sometimes I feel like I fail desperately. But in a moment of my failure, first time youth pastor, Durango, Colorado, been in the ministry like six months. And they told me, we can't pay you anymore. You can go now. I'm like, what? And I literally cried out to God, God, I failed you. I did not do what you called me here to do. And God spoke to me during, during worship. I love it when his voice speaks so loudly over worship. Because he said, How do you, what do you measure success? How do you measure success? Well, guys, I posed that question to you this morning. How do you measure success in your ministries? When we think about church success, we think about growth, lives being changed, people coming, tithes going up, new buildings, right? I mean, that's how we physically think about success in ministry. Success in Peter Snapper Ministries. This beautiful place. Is that our success? No. Two weeks I mumbled over that. Trying to figure out, God, what are you asking me? Because I feel like I have done nothing here. Two weeks later again during worship he said, that's not how I measure success. I measure success by your obedience to my calling. That's success. Obedience is powerful. When we obey what the Lord is asking us to do, 
Maybe it's at Walmart. Oh. I don't think my God calling me to go to Walmart, much less being in there. But have you ever felt like, you ever, you ever been in a position where you thought, man, I really ought to say something to that person? I've done it. Reluctantly. <laughs> I've stopped and helped someone on the side of the road when I didn't really want to. But what's been the outcome of that? I might not have even seen it. I shared one day with a lady in Walmart. It was nuts, believe that or not. People everywhere. I mean, it was busy. And I, this girl's about to have a breakdown, the cashier. And so I, I had a pretty simple purchase. And I, when I got done, I just said, ma'am, I said, would you mind if I prayed for you? Well, she about fell apart. Obviously, she was in, in, in strife. She needed something. And so I, I just, I, I mean, I know you can't just like get crazy there. So I just told her, I'm like, listen, I'm just going to pray that God gives you some peace today. And I, and I had to leave because there were other people behind me who were getting angry. Imagine that. I don't know the outcome of that. I don't know what happened there. But all I know is, is I was obedient. So I, I pray that God did something for her through my obedience. That's what he's calling all of us to be. Obedient. Very powerful. To abide in him. When you abide in the will, the obedience of the Lord, there simply is no safer place to be. The lion inside of you is greater than any lion chasing you. We must, above all else, follow him. We must learn not to fear the lions that are seeking to devour us, but in turn, make them fear us because of the one who's in us. It's our safe place. Everything that can be shaken is being shaken today. All around us. Those who are not in him will be shaken. There's only one thing that cannot be shaken. His kingdom. There's nothing, no power. There's no power on earth. There's no power in hell that can shake the kingdom of God. His kingdom cannot be shaken. And when we live in the shadow of the Almighty, our world may shake around us. But we may not be afraid because our spirit in him cannot be shaken. Are you running from a lion today? I know that we, I, I'll, I never know sometimes how to um, finish these things. Nathan, if you want to just start playing, I'd, I'd appreciate that. Just start picking something. If you're running from a lion today, if you're one of our chaplains, if, if you're one just of our guests, our volunteers, Thank you guys so much for all that you do. But if you're running from a lion today, I really feel like what God's asking me to do is just ask you to come up here and let me pray for you this, this morning. It's not something we normally do here. I know, I mean, I come from a holy roller church, man. We can get wild if we want to. I try not to. <laughs> but sometimes it just burns inside of me and I want to be obedient this morning. And I really... I really want you to know that this is a family unit here. Um, chaplains, once you've been here, too bad, you're stuck with us. I mean, Chaplain Redden knows that we're in his back door all the time, you know? But all of our volunteers, all, all these that come and serve here, we're family. We may live in all kinds of places, different from everybody else, but we're still family. And today, God's family is asking, are you running from your lion? Is there something that we can do to pray for you today?
No matter who it is, I'm, and if, if you just, if real quickly, if you'll, if you'll allow me to, I want to pray for you. And then we're going to move on with our service. Maybe we could set some chairs and put 